Hello, hello, hello. How are y'all today? My name is Lamel Spain. And I am Margaret Bays. And on today's episode of the Breakthrough Podcast, entitled I Am Think Differently, we will be talking about the universality of storytelling, how our stories become who we are, how they literally define our reality and the world we live in. In this episode, we'll introduce important tools in the self-help arsenal to become better personal storytellers. Welcome to the show. So LaMail, let me ask you, storytelling, what's it all about? How do stories that we tell ourselves shape who we are, what we become, and literally define the world that we live in? I want to hear your views on all of that. Um, well, that's a lot. So you probably have to redirect me and re-reference what you said. But <clears throat> basically, it's like building upon what we talked about last week. You know, um, the man in the mirror. You know, um, you are who you see in the mirror um your thoughts um more so um what you think about yourself um when you talk about i am um that phrase has been well um neville godor was his name godor you know i'm bad with names neville goddard there you go um she helped me you know i was in slow reading um and so, but Neville talked about it's okay, it. You caught up. <laughs> yeah, Neville talked about it in his book, um, The Power of Awareness. Um, another gentleman um, talked about it. Um, his first name is Ernest, his last name skips my mind. But really, the real author was in the Bible <laughs> when Moses asked God who should I say sent me? And he said, I am. Um, You, meaning now I'm talking to you, listener, you are whoever you say you are, and you can fill in the blank. I am a winner. I am a conqueror. I am a loser. I am fat. You know, I am attractive. I mean, fill in the blank. Um, Your body responds to what you say you are um your mind is so so wait one second when you say your body responds to who you say you are tell me a little bit more about that how does it respond how does it respond well i give you a real life example in the early part of 2000s i was 235 pounds i had a 40 plus inch waist and um my plan weight in college was 189 pounds but I blew up like nitro, you know, and um, Hmm. when I would exercise, I would say derogatory things to myself, you know, and I saw myself as a Oompa Loompa. Um, I was in my in my eyesight, even though I had people that said you look great or you look good. 
I would always combat that with, no, I'm not. No, I don't. And majority of the time I cuss them out, you know, but I won't do that today. Um, hmm. Say so, what? So you were in a big negative self-talk place. Yes, I definitely was um, because I didn't see myself as other people saw me, um, no matter who it was or no matter what they said. Um, it didn't matter. You know, I was that oompa loompa. Hmm. I was that fat guy. And I say all that to say, when I would be derogatory towards myself when I exercise, my body responded to what I was saying. Hmm. I was able to lose the weight. Um, I stayed um, big, you know. Um, and as I got older, I started to realize that well, your body is only responding to what you're saying. Why would it want to lose weight? You're telling it you're fat. Gotcha. <laughs> you are oompa loompa. You are whatever fill in the blank was. So it's the law of nature. You know what I'm saying? You plant an apple seed in the ground. Why are you getting mad that a cucumber doesn't come out? And you're cussing and you're mad. What the, why is this an uh, apple tree where you put an apple seed in the ground, idiot? You know? Um, oh, you. there's another one, idiot, name calling. There. I mean, I was funny. I was being funny. It yeah. was a joke. Yes, of course it was. But but that's an example of what you mean. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I'm to call myself an idiot because I'm very intelligent, right. um, smart. Um, I have a couple of certifications, two degrees. <laughs> so hmm, that's probably not an idiot. And the stuff that I've overcame, right. I need to be able to overcome it. I'm not being arrogant or conceited. I learned those words today on Sesame Street. So please <laughs> calm down, y'all. Uh, I will go back to the simple words in a minute. <laughs> So, so storytelling really began not long after the development of language in, in the human species. And so as humans, we all draw from stories. It doesn't matter who we are. And so, I mean, you could be somebody getting your MBA from Harvard, or you could be a three-year-old bouncing on your grandfather's knee. We all love a good story. And why is that? Um, most likely it's because stories explain to us um, a way to make sense out of random things in the world. And they make us feel like we're more in control of stuff. So what you're talking about today is really about um shifting the way that you tell stories to yourself exactly about yourself right exactly okay so let's let's hear a little bit more about that um like the main um is uh uh oh main thing like um 
you uh, yeah you are you are your worst critic you are your best fan Mm. biggest cheerleader yay me (laughs) yeah oh um like growing up um and some people may say he always talk about himself because that's the only person that I really, really know. I've been with him for 43 years. So <laughs> I know him. Um, but <laughs> but a lot of the adversity that I dealt with and the naysayers, they wasn't, uh, uh, um, I want to say, a problem with me overcoming whatever it was. Um, They said I couldn't do something. If I believed I could, I usually 10 times out of 10, I overcame. But when that critic was me and I said I couldn't do it, Hmm. 10 times out of 10, I failed. (laughs) That's very very powerful. And and very, very interesting. And it sort of leads me right into this ne- next aspect of, of this um, topic, which, you know, so along with the quote, I am, end quote, part of today's podcast title, um, I would like to introduce some ideas, tools, and resources that can support all of us to become what I'm calling better storytellers, meaning um, that that self-talk, the words we choose, is of a higher quality, more positive. So there are like three main ideas associated with that, and they are um, having compassion, period, for other people, for others. having compassion for oneself primarily when we're talking about the I am part of this. And then doing this thing that's called understanding where we are on what's called the scale of reference. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. So um, let's start with just a simple, straightforward definition of what is compassion? What does it mean? What are, what are we feeling when we feel compassion, whether it's for others or toward ourselves? What are some of those feelings associated with that? Sympathy and empathy. Correct. Correct. Warmth, caring, sympathy, empathy, understanding, kindness, right? I mean, the- and understanding that you can, I don't mean to cut you off, understanding that you don't have to have an undefeated season. Oh, yeah, very right. Bingo. <laughs> to still go to the Super Bowl or even to make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they have people that, especially in basketball, they have play-ins. <laughs> so <laughs> even though you may have had not so great a season, you still can make the playoffs and that can still give you a chance to win in the ship, the championship. You know what I'm saying? Um, when you have failures, 
they are not defining you. They shouldn't define you. That's just a lesson. Learn from it and move on. I mean, I had to learn that with what I'm dealing with now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to really give myself compassion. And I had to give myself um, permission. Um, And it took a while, you know, because, again, my mindset was I won the championship. But it's one thing to win the title. It's another thing to retain the title. And a champion will tell you it's harder to keep that belt than it was to get the belt. And that's what I was dealing with. Like, I had an immaculate body. I see. Worked hard to get that body. And now I'm dealing with uh, autoimmune disease. What the fuck? Pardon my French. Got it. <laughs> um, um, but it was hard for me because I was like, I felt cheated. But after I realized this ain't the end of your story, dude, this is actually going to make the story better. You're going to lose the championship and then you're going to get it. Yeah. So you oh, had to, so, so you had to look at your own suffering um through a different lens you had to see the suffering of that the autoimmune disease brought to you with all of the imperfections that accompanying accompanied it losing for a moment that immaculate body which p.s by the way how many push-ups are you up to now so far fifty-one thousand for the year (laughs) right now the counter says fifty thousand, but it's it's actually fifty-two thousand. yeah Yeah. i'm at yeah, I'm at 50. Yeah. So you had to learn to look at yourself with more warmth and more understanding, more caring and more kindness. Uh, so when those um, emotions and feelings are directed toward the self and whatever suffering this you may be having yourself, that's what we mean by self-compassion. Yeah, and then you got to also understand for some of us that are dealing with uh, autoimmune disease, auto means self (laughs) disease. Um, When you are bad towards yourself, that's not helping yourself. Um, And I had to understand that, you know what I'm saying? Okay, LaMail, yeah, you had an immaculate body, yes. Yeah, strong J, get a t-shirt, but you don't have it right now. Mm-hmm. You don't have it no more ever. You're never going to get it again. You just have to realize that we got to get back on, on our Nike stuff. You know what I'm saying? You got to just do it and give yourself permission to struggle, permission to you know, have bad days, permission to actually be sick. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't sweating, which is a uh, indication. That's what happens when you're a nerve. <laughs> you start figuring stuff out that you should probably should have. But I, I wasn't sweating. So that let me know you're not healthy. You, so, mean, you mean when you started to work out recognize that you might have had a physical issue going on when you were working out you weren't sweating well it was 
before I went in the hospital, but then also when I got out the hospital, I still was trying to rush my healing. Like, come on, you, it's okay, you, let's go. And it's like, dude, you can't, you, you can't rush this. You don't have a say right. on the time frame. Like, you need to be compassionate and give yourself time to heal. And when you give yourself time to heal, it's going to do what it's supposed to do because that's what bodies do. They work, they operate like they were designed to do if you put them in an ease state. Right, right. When you put them in a dis-ease state, a dis-ease, unease state, then you're never going to get to the other side. And what you're saying, basically, too, speaking of all of that, is that the dis-ease, the uneasiness, the lack of ease in one state when one is trying to heal that we can often bring about upon ourselves by speaking in negative tones, hurrying and rushing and being self-critical. This actually hastens the, the illness, makes it worse. Exactly. Exactly. But you have to be smart with this thing that you're dealing with. Like, it wasn't by chance that you ended up the way you ended up first off. Um, And also, I know some people won't, you know, accept this, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) It's not an outside source that is that you're fighting it's inside out it's you you're fighting it it's the enemy is just that the inner me the enemy (laughs) ah inner me inner me is the enemy so what you're saying is that it's not an accident that you ended up with ms that Mm -hmm. somehow there was a you know, there were forces at work in your life, in your circumstances, in your history, in your house, in your home, in your head, in your mind, in your family. That's sort of, it was like a perfect storm from inside out and you, and that's how it expressed itself in you. I think it was the head more so. The head. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Because honestly, with the stress that I was dealing with, you know, um, my mom got sick when I was a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. and knew maybe a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say a handful, mm-hmm. five knew. My coaches didn't even know. And if they did, they didn't express it. So it was a mind thing. Like my mom was so focused and so strong. Like we still going to go, we still going to get through this that I got perfect attendance all four years. And that's not bragging. That's just reporting who does that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then not only perfect attendance all four years, but the awards that the GPA that I ended up with, um, Playing sports, two sports, wrestling and football, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
So what, I, so what I hear you saying was that during that time when your mom, who was really your only family and your major support mm-hmm. in every way, um, not only financially and, you know, in terms of like practical things and emotional support and, you know, she washed your uniforms and cooked your meals and. Well, she didn't have to forms when I was in high school they did that oh, okay <laughs> I, got what, I got what you're saying though like <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because when my mom passed away and I used to say this that's why you have to watch your words so much y'all you really have to watch your words because I used to say when she was sick I was like mama when when you die I'm gonna die oh, she's mad like, don't say that. And I'm like, but I don't have anybody after you because I didn't consider my sisters. I have an older and a younger one. They were just auxiliary, uh, auxiliary members of the family. My mom was the core. So, like, I was just basically like, when you die, I die because I don't have a dad. So, like, who's going to give me the advice? you know, that I need. And when she did pass away my sophomore year in college, I didn't have that support, you know, to tell me everything is going to be all right. Like my mom could tell, if I was having a, a problem with a girl, I sit down on the porch, tell my mom, my mom, man, she tripping. You know what I'm saying? She would like, so like, don't, and she wasn't trying to say you the you you look like Denzel and you 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 the finest thing. She wasn't saying that. She was just like, it's more fish in the sea. Like you don't don't get all caught up with that. And within a matter of that conversation, after we were done, I was I was I was okay with that female. Like mm-hmm. okay, her loss, my gain. Um, but when she died. I didn't have that moral support. I didn't have that support. And it was hard for me to deal with things like that. Like, where's my, where's my, <laughs> where, where's my Superman? Meaning my, he wasn't a man, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like my Superman. She was the one um, to help me process. And I had to learn that but it took me a while so when you say mental um and then you saying all those other things all those other things really they probably affected me but they didn't affect me as much as my mind and what I thought I could and couldn't do with life so since then because I mean you have gone a million miles since your mom actually passed away I mean you've learned a tremendous amount about the inner workings of self-compassion and uh, self-talk and and how it shapes us. And so what I want to talk about now, again, um, just for our listeners is, you know, giving some really practical guidance on this subject and some of the nuts and bolts and the how-tos and where to find some really, really good information about it. Um, uh, Because I presume that when you finish listening to this podcast, you're going to quickly want to become experts because this is a really powerful um, 
it's a powerful tool in your self-help arsenal, learning how to talk to yourself about yourself, um, learning how to retrain your mind from how it may have been trained already by others. Paradigm. Know, which is again a paradigm, right? Exactly. So the elements of self-compassion are basically these three polarities okay so you have first you have self-kindness on one end versus self-judgment so in other words are you a person who says about yourself oh you know if you lost a game or you didn't lose weight today or um you know you didn't get a hundred on the test or you didn't even pass the test whatever Okay, are you a person that is going to look at that isolated event at with with a bit of kindness and a bit of perspective, or are you going to be on the other end of the spectrum and be full of negative judgment and calling yourself every bad name in the book and and really being negative? So the one uh, set of polls is self kindness versus self judgment. So that's one sphere of self compassion. And the uh, second one is this notion of how aware are you that what's going on with you makes you a part of what's called the common humanity versus on the way other end that you're isolated. Okay, so in other words, how apt are you to recognize about whatever's going on in your life that other people fail tests and other people also lose games even other people lose their parents you know versus thinking that whatever is happening to you you're the only one it happens to it's the worst thing that could possibly happen and that you're all alone completely in that i mean it's one thing to feel like you're all alone in it which i think LaMail is kind of describing was sort of where he put himself actually sort of isolated in the loss of his mom by not speaking about it, by not sharing that um, hardship with other people. So that is like the absence of self-compassion right there. I mean, when he lost his mom, he just packed himself up and went back to school, right? Isn't that what you did? Yeah, I, I, I ran, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think mine, honestly, paradigms are so important, y'all. Mm -hmm. Like, I learned how to deal with loss from watching my mom deal with her mother's death. I was actually present when that happened. I saw the whole thing transpire in front of me. I was six. And paradigms wait one, are, second. wait one second. Excuse me for interrupting you. So I, by when you say you learned how to deal with it, it doesn't mean you learned to deal with it well or correctly. Yeah, I didn't, what, you, what you learned about it, you learned yeah, from what you saw. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, gotcha. I didn't learn it correctly. I, see. I, I basically learned how I thought you should act when you lose a major parent. Um, when my mom lost her mother. Mm. Um, 
and I was six. And paradigms are usually formed from birth to eight. And I was six. You know what I'm saying? So me looking like, oh, so that's how, oh, don't cry. Okay, cry a little bit. But then when everybody gets around you, don't cry. Act like it's just a normal thing. Be able to express what went on. Um, never bring that when I fail this point. <laughs> never bring that person up ever again because my mom never brought her mother up ever again it's like but i did actually kind of with her i had to remind myself you know you're not a miracle baby <laughs> like uh jesus you had a mom and a dad you lost your mom you know i had to remind myself um but all that was learned behavior and i'm not saying that was the perfect and the correct way of doing it it was just the way that I was introduced to how to deal with grief. Um, and so you're saying also that that kind of cost you later when your own when your own mother passed away. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> so that's the whole upshot of learning to recognize paradigms and this is no disrespect i'm sure you mean no disrespect to your mother and her teachings but we all have situations in our lives where we may have learned things from how our parents learned things and how they mm -hmm. their parents learned things and that stuff just gets passed along to us sort of like your story about cutting off the end of the roast you have to go back into the podcasts and the webinars to hear the details on that one but that one's hilarious you just learn to do things because somebody else in your family did them that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to look at your family's outcomes. You have to just be a little bit more, um, you know, the word is analytical about what's going on around you. You have to examine stuff and you say, is this working? Right. So in other words, I was going to ask, you. that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Right. Is this working? <laughs> because at the end of the day, like, Big Mama did it that way. Your mama did it that way. Her mama, her big mama's mama did it that way. But y'all still fucked up. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's, so that's where these tools come into play. So these elements of self-compassion, you have to look at, you know, these are, we are lucky. We are so lucky. It's something to be grateful for every minute that we are have access to more education than our parents did and that we have access to this thing called the internet so that we can um spread ideas that are worth spreading to quote ted talk right um so bringing it back around these elements of self-compassion self-kindness versus self-judgment that's one tool common humanity so how apt are other people to have experienced the same thing that i'm going through versus this thing i'm going through that's really hard i am just so alone right um and so, and how um likely are you to seek support or seek community or seek new information or seek new education that's on that spectrum and then the last one is mindfulness versus over identification okay that one is a little tricky 
But yeah, second point. Yeah, we were designed to be on the island of Patmos. I'm sorry, we were designed. We were not designed. We were not designed to be on the island of Patmos, meaning isolated. Mm -hmm. We were designed to be in a community. Correct. That's right. We were never. It was like the. I never like individual sports. I hated them. I like team sports. I win, we win. I lose, we all lose. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it kind of takes the brunt blame off of you totally. That was a concept I had problems with. And my mom used to threaten to not let me play football. Then she was still. <laughs> But I never, you know, she would always tell me, you are only one of the 11. You can't say that y'all lost solely because of you. You may have contributed to your loss, but all of it was not all on you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are never supposed to be on an island by ourselves. Right. We're supposed to be in this thing together. And that's why I'm so happy about this community. Like you lose, I lose. You win, I'm popping bottles, buying tables. We celebrate. So that brings us to um, this third concept of mindfulness versus over-identification. It's basically taking a balanced approach and neither completely suppressing what's going on with you, nor over-exaggerating what's happening and filling your life's events with such negative emotions that you couldn't possibly overcome things. So it's being balanced between being aware and expressing what's happening. um, And on the other end versus not exaggerating what's happening to uh, some point of that you just talk yourself into how impossible it would be to overcome it. So um, those are basically the elements of self-compassion. So if that is what self-compassion is, let's talk about what self-compassion is not. Let's talk about what it isn't for just a second, because it always helps to sort of know where the boundaries are around things. And Um, So if it is a balance between self-kindness and self-judgment, common humanity versus isolation and mindfulness versus over-identification, what it's not is self-indulgence, okay? I don't think for any day of his life, anybody who knows my co-founder, LaMail Spain, no one could ever say about him that he was self-indulgent or self-pitying for the trials that he has experienced through MS. Basically what's happened, and and that's not part of self-compassion, being self-indulgent or self-pitying. It's not that. Um, He gets up every day and where's your head? Tell us, LaMail, where is your head every day around what you're doing? Our first off is better than it once was. I, I did play victim in the beginning. Um, and I think that's just natural because that's the same way I felt when I broke my ankle. Like I was like, boy, was me. 
but then I got out of it. But every morning when I get up, uh, and I pray, of course, and I say that I'm grateful, you know, for another day. Um, even though I'm not where I, I want to be, there goes that ego goal-oriented um, <laughs> mindset of, you know, you can't always win, you know. Um, so I know that I'm not where I, I want to be, but I am a whole lot further now than I once was a year, two years, three years ago. And it makes me even more grateful for the journey and what I have learned. Because honestly, this whole episode, meaning the, the point that I'm dealing with right now is not just for me, it's for other people. And I can help them to process. So it's not just me. I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with for somebody else down the road that I probably don't even know exists right now, but I know I will meet them. And so that gets my mind right. Like, why are you complaining? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can you be who you say you want to be if you don't go heavy the head that wears the crown, they say. Heavy the head that wears the crown. So, so, and I, well, excuse me for interrupting you, but on that note, the common characteristics among humans are that we are vulnerable and that we are imperfect and that we, yep. that we make mistakes and that we are often, uh, we often find ourselves in circumstances where we are inadequate in comparison to what our challenges are. And we suffer at times and we are mortal. So Um, We need every day to figure out how to compassionately come to terms with all of that um, in an effort to better our circumstances, whatever, whatever they may be. John, John C. Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward. Mm. You know, look at failure as a bad thing, but you actually should look at failure as something good because you can learn from your, your hiccup. You can learn from your incorrect answer right um, or whatnot um i laugh at myself sometimes i was like dude your first report card was all else really <laughs> it, was used. it was used but it's the equivalent of all else what, were, first, you like, what were you like in in first grade or something no kindergarten my oh, first, kindergarten. oh my, my god first, <laughs> my first report card was all used i couldn't cut I couldn't pace, I couldn't color. <laughs> but at the end of the day, by the next quarter, I had turned it around and I got all A's. Well, what's really interesting about that is that in today's world, no one would say that you got used or that you failed because you cut, couldn't cut, paste, and color. They would just recognize that you had gross motor skills were your thing you could move around and you were an athlete and you didn't have your fine motor skills weren't developed yet they wouldn't have said you failed it's very interesting you know this is one of the things that i mean about being grateful um to be where we are in the world i mean and it's a thing about paradigms i mean 
lucky for you, you learned about paradigms. So that one got plucked out. You know, you don't carry that one around with you anymore. That you first wouldn't let that. She wouldn't let that. Mm -mm. <laughs> so um, before we conclude for the day, I wanted to give our listeners um, a resource on the subject of self-compassion. And uh, this is a, an academic. Her name is Dr. Kristen Neff. Um, her name is spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N and her last name Neff, N-E-F-F. And she's an associate professor at the University of Texas at Austin and the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion. And uh, not only has Dr. Neff written a book, but she's written several books on the subject. And you may email her directly with any questions that you might have on the subject of self-compassion at kristin.neff, uh, K-R-I-S-T-I-N dot N-E-F-F at self dash compassion.org. Um, and um, on a further note, please be sure this week to visit our Daily Dose Lifeline uh, for Healthy Living each day to hear more on this topic um, about I am from LaMail and how to think and act differently for your health. So we want you guys to come back each week to the Breakthrough Podcast on Wednesdays, where LaMail and I will discuss mind matters, paradigm shifts, food and fitness facts, self-health, and breaking the bars of chronic disease. Tuesday. Uh, nope. It's, it airs on Wednesday. Oh, okay. We were... oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's okay uh, so with that everyone we're gonna um sign off for the week and um let it be a good one step into your greatness see you next week bye bye bye